do you remember the episodes? Tim Ferriss, when we talked about creating his own NBA? I remember bits and pieces. Mm. This is all I realized that it's gold. You can just rehash old stuff because there's so much in this bloody podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Self-awareness I'll re- is I'll re-explain broad. this This big idea for me, this episode around creating your own degrees. Uh, you don't have a choice. You're actually doing it whether you whether you like it or not, which is even funnier. Which is something I've never really brought to it before. Tim Ferriss is, for those who aren't familiar, quite a well-known person in the entrepreneurial world. Also sponsored by Athletic Greens, his podcast. Yes. Just like us. Best-selling author of books like For Our Workweek, For Our Chef, For Our Body. Host to one of the biggest podcasts in the world, The Tim Ferriss Show, which was a big resource for me in my early 20s. And uh, yeah, angel investor and stuff too. And the angel investing, which is investing in like private companies, early stage of private companies with is your that own what money. Definite... That's what it is, with yep. your own money. Angel. Okay. Venture is you manage a fund of other people's money. Right. Okay. Doing it. Like I could set up one and you could invest in my venture fund. You don't get to choose which companies, what companies? right? But uh, Tim Ferriss was an angel investor, which means he used his own money. So for those who are not familiar. And he was keen to get into it and he was thinking of doing an MBA, which is one of those business you know, high end business degrees, right? And Two years, at, I think at Stanford, he looked at it and it cost 120 grand. <laughs> <laughs> unbiased, Luke, unbiased. So what he what he realized, he had a lot of good contacts already. And this is a big difference between him and the average person, right? And he realized one of his friends already did the investing, right? I think he was venture. And he's like, ah, oh, what if I just like followed him for two years? The same amount of time, I set aside the money, $120,000. I set aside that amount of money I would have paid in course tuition. And I use that to actually invest in the companies, mm-hmm. right? And I do, but I do it alongside because again, the, the the argument is, but you know, what about the guidance of people who know what they're doing and that sort of stuff? You got to be very careful about expertise. A lot of people who know what they're doing are old-fashioned or they're outdated or they're attached to it, and it's so he's doing he's he's alongside someone who's actually in the arena, and he was content to lose all the money. Because he otherwise would have paid it in course tuition. Yeah. Right? <laughs> course tuition is not a financial investment in the in the linear sense, right? Yep, I, my yep. uni my uni's never gonna go, hey Joe, you know that money you invested us with us for your degree, here's the return you've gotten on it. You have to go do that yourself after you've learned. Mm. Right? Mm. So he took that mindset in with the actual money he invested. He wasn't expecting to make money off it. And he said, it's quite funny. He blew 50 grand on the first investment. (laughs) That one didn't work. So pretty scary up front. But we're talking about myth of failure, right? And in the end, he found it a very rewarding experience. He ended up investing in companies like Uber, Twitter, I believe, definitely Shopify. And he played an active role in helping their team. Some very kind of well-known companies today, tech companies. And it was a very good time for that sort of thing too. Now, this is the interesting thing about creating your own degrees the, the the psychological trick of that we come back to what we talked about a couple of episodes episodes ago with astro the dog pauses for sip <laughs> dramatic tension audience on the edge of their seat is that we're not designed Taleb says this we're not designed to bleed a little every day we don't like the idea of like losing the money mm. but you'd happily spend the same money on education but when it's actually the real education, the money is like this thing you're trying to make more of. Hmm. So you don't want to see it go down in the pursuit of making more of it. 
<laughs> it reminds me of when we invested a bit of money. My brother Oscar was managing a bit of our money investing in shares. And my dad, who I'd say is a sophisticated investor, is hassling him about this share price has gone down today and this has gone... <laughs> you know, and my dad's a sophisticated kind of investor yeah. for property. But he's... He, not bad. He's all right. He's not a noob with shares. Yeah. But my brother's getting frustrated, you know, because like it's obviously a long-term thing and you're almost doing something wrong if you're not losing short-term, right? Because people can probably appreciate no like failure, no no learning, no gain, mm. right? You really, you don't really get that information any other way, right? It's It's like people can try and prepare you for life by giving you every lesson in advance don't do this don't do that that but not this this but not that and all that would do is just fuck up your experience you'd be too it's, it's the overprotective parent thing again just think about trying to avoid failure is like the overprotective parenting of yourself and that creates entitled stubborn you know fixed mindset children who can't deal with conflict can't deal with anyone who doesn't maintain their perfectly comfortable reality you create, we're going to talk about anti, it makes you fragile, makes you easily broken. We all know those people. None of them are in this room. There's <laughs> mm, bits and pieces. Yeah, bits and, <laughs> bits and pieces, you're right. Yeah. So, you know, you come back to that idea of, and I, when I started up the real estate business, no clue what I was doing. And you're aware of this. And I'm not trying to say that was good. It wasn't, it was very ugly experience, most of that, but I, cause I wasn't really interested in real estate. That's the reason it wasn't, I think like doors looking backwards. That's what I take from that going forward. Couldn't have changed anything now and wouldn't, but like, okay, I wasn't really interested in real estate. I was meant to be doing it with other people and they were meant to be the real estate people. And I'd be learning about like business as this core thing and entrepreneurship. But when I started it, I was 22 and I was like, well, what I'm doing now, the room I'm in, at working at a bank sucks call center mm. and this all right i might make a lot of money doing this which would be useful right at a young age and that'd be good i could use that to reinvest in other things like other bit projects that were probably even more interesting and not so much like material things but also even if i don't get that i knew i was going to learn a lot and that this would be better than i hated university the idea of sitting there being lectured, made to do it by people who are not in the, you know, often not in the actual industry, very research-based, having to pass through other people's approval, it just doesn't sit well with me. Like, exams and the pressure of it and the assignments and the arbitrary things you're doing, you just don't see the value in them and you're spending years of your life doing this. To me, it was just not the way I liked learning. I was never going back to uni. If something required me to go back to uni, it was probably not worth doing, which is still how I feel. I feel like I can learn in a million other better ways. So I thought, well, this would be a business degree. <laughs> Even if it doesn't work out financially, this will be a business degree. Mm. I'm going to learn so much. Honest, and honestly, I did. I'm not just saying it. Like I, I did not make money from real estate. I still haven't. And I, I don't suspect I ever will. I still have the business. But I, I really learned a lot about people not just business and marketing and all these things by constantly like failing and negotiation and stuff like that. But I learned so much about life and people and human behavior as well, which was the same when we did 18 and lost the book, which, you know, like the people in the commercial world that sits on the side of the success side of the, the thing. It's not some best-selling book. 
It would be if you bought a few copies. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Never resist a plug. But I learned again there so much about people, you know, like, you know, I'm exploring forever this concept of education and what it, what it really is and what's really worth teaching people, what's really worth learning. What are the obstacles? That was an opportunity to do that with the other authors. I wouldn't, I did a psychology degree. This did not, that psychology degree I paid tens of thousands for did not stack in comparison to what I learned about people from that book and no 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 psychology student will ever get that insight in psychology classrooms they'll learn other stuff and if that works for their goals and what they're interested in i have no problem with that good luck to you guys but i just don't you know that tim ferris thing is is that the model of going and just investing what you would in education in the actual doing of it where you'll get, re you guarantee, right, what are the advantages? You guarantee you'll get real learning. You, it will, it will be exactly like the industry because you're actually doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we need to get out, is it? Industry experience. Well, let's do a case study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, we'll get, we'll get to all that in a second because I have a thing on all this case studies and all that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, you, you guarantee that it will be in the real thing of it. Right? Mm. Like economists at uni don't tend to learn about the real economy. They don't learn about what's happening now. Mm. All right. They get theory and history. They don't actually get engaged in what's happening now and how to like uh, monitor it. This is the case with most psychology was like initially historical and then research based at, at my uni and, and cool. Like, you know, the MBAs and business theory and case studies and all that. I'm sure there's some value in there. Okay. I'm sure there is, but the people I know who've done MBAs and not had business experience, I don't think people need to have business experience for any particular reason, unless you're just actually interested in something that requires you to start a business. But like, it just doesn't compare to even my abysmal failures. You can That's tell a bit, from... It's a bit harsh, Joe, don't you think? Oh, well, you can just tell from talking to people. Mm. It's just, it's the least theoretical thing in the world because it's the ultimate complex system. Every single business is its own unique thing. Therefore, it's its own degree. Mm. Starting a real estate business is not like starting a cleaning company. It's not like starting a business, an e-commerce business. It's not like setting up an online community. It's not like monetizing your writing habit. There's the over, the technical overlap is not there. The, the managing the different types of dynamics of sales and all that change. The dynamics of how they're marketed and delivered changes you got intangible products you got hard products in some cases you got information products when it's a book or a book there are some fundamentals about value and people and building relationships that are that are completely transferable speaking and writing these things tend to pop up everywhere but business is not this one concrete thing as naval says and every other person who's actually dominated the business world <laughs> it's not just this one set of skills and most things are like that. Sales is not this one set of skills. There's underlying traits, right? And there's, but within that, there's different styles. There's your style, which is much softer. There's people who are much more direct. And, and then you've got all these different industries and types of products to sell, right? And sales is a lot easier when you've got a good product, as, you've, as you, <laughs> you can confirm, right? Yeah. So the idea of theoretically learning it is like what bloody theory are you doing? You can't. You'll only be learning one type of scenario, potentially. 
Mm. Right? Whereas the reality is your experience as a salesman will be very different to someone else who works at a different company will be kind of different to a person who works at the same company doing a similar role because they're a different person with different strengths. Mm. But university style teaching is that as the, the king of all this is like getting all these people to look at this one way. It's almost the opposite. You must go to get every person to figure out their way for the situation they're in. So this is the, this is the kind of loop when you think about education, right? Which we're talking about failure, but like you're thinking about it in terms of, cause it's like, how do we learn how to do things? Right. And the, say you wanted to learn writing, right? Mm-hmm. Firstly, you challenge the statement. What does learning writing mean? You know what I mean? What does that mean? Because there's so many different types of writing. Mm. There's fiction, there's nonfiction, books, short form, long form, email communication. I want to be a better writer. Like, it's almost vague to start with what that means. Now, you think, would I do a writing course? And you'd go, okay, I could do a writing course. That might be a way to learn more about writing. Right? Maybe they would deconstruct examples. Maybe they would, you know, unpack famous writers and all that. But how good can a writing course be if you're not actually doing some writing? Right? That's like learning tennis by watching videos and stuff first before you get onto a court. Doesn't make much sense. Right? You're not doing open heart surgery. The costs of not being great at it when you start are pretty bloody low. So what sort of writing course will not have you doing much writing? Right? And then what they could do is they could get you to like write something in a safe environment, right? Something theoretical. Yep. Right? But then why would you why would you bother doing something that's just like an exercise when you could just write something you would actually go out and use or market and sell? Right? Because some people are beginners, but also if you're not just a beginner. Why are you learning to write if you're not actually going to go and do it? Does that make sense? It makes right? total sense. Well, you, do, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not so, like some people, we have this idea in education, like just learn things in case. Why the hell would you learn something like write? And there are people who are like, oh, I want to be better at it. They have no idea that they don't actually want to do it. Right? They're, they'll, they'll, so they don't want to do like the real thing. Mm. They want to do like a Petri dish version of it. Yeah. Right? Like you wouldn't actually do writing, but you're doing that half doesn't make of it. sense. You're doing it half of it or half of it anyway. Exactly. Right. So you, why wouldn't you just do the whole thing? Yeah. Now we did a writing degree. It was called eight and a loss. So are we, as <laughs> a book got published, we sell We sold the book. <laughs> yeah. We got it endorsed by one of my little writing heroes and, <laughs> and actually sold a lot of copies on the launch day. It was a degree. We literally set it up as a degree, but it was a full on commercial thing. There was no way you would learn more in a writing course. <laughs> now, to me, unfortunately, that applies. I f- feel like it applies to most things. Hmm. Right? Now, you have the idea that, oh, if I want to learn sales, I'm just going to start doing it blindly. I need to learn some techniques first. I need to read some books on it. Yeah. Well truth is you could do both yeah in truth you shouldn't do one without the practical you shouldn't do theory without the practical 
you can talk about something like surgery and so these things that if you tried them with no experience you would actually hurt other people and that's why i think law and medicine have the highest weighting in the university system because they, i think they have very and engineering because they have very big cost of like there's a big consequence if you don't get it right yeah pharmacy stuff like that at the same time the good versions of those degrees are very practical and it's, I think the best way to learn any of those things is the apprenticeship model, not the theory model. Because my mates who are doing medicine, they're memorizing a lot of shit. They say it's not hard, it's just a lot to remember. Mm. And memorization is not practical implementation. It's not, it's not a substitute for experience. I can memorize how to ride a bike. I'll tell you what, when you're in the heat of the moment doing something, your awareness shrinks to the size of a peanut. You're going off reactions and intuition and gut. Mm. right if there's a crisis in surgery and all that it's it's like your your like ability to like it's not an open book exam <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like mm. it's it's like it's in the moment soccer think about so like in soccer i'm not thinking like i am remembering to do this more during a game it's really hard to think you're in the moment mm. and performance is like that so you really want it to be as apprenticeship based as possible which is alongside supervisor who gradually eases you into more and more responsibility. So, and they all, they all say it. You don't really get much learning until you start. All the doctors I talk to, all the lawyers I talk to, it's just nothing like, so this idea around why people are so easy, obsessed with education is a lot of the reason because of fear of failure. Mm hmm. It's a, it's a, can be a safe, comfortable oh, it's place. it's the most convenient thing in the world. It's all the positive reinforcement of I'm doing something and mm -hmm. momentum and look at all this stuff I'm learning and none of the ugly stuff. And Robert Greene just says the best way to learn French, don't study at university, go to France. Best way to learn business is not learning about theory, go start a business. And he goes, but people don't do it because they're afraid to fail. But, and you can understand that fear Except if you listen to the previous episodes we did, Astro the Dog, Remembering the Thousand Doors, and the Fixed West Growth Mindset, you start to question that idea of fear. You start to question that idea of failure. They're not as robust as they appear to be. Because that thing we call failure is really just chapter one of learning something. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That thing we call failure is really chapter one of learning something. It's just opening the first door. And it's like, start terribly, fail and learn fast. It's one of these lines I, I use. Start terribly. Give you When we do the book, when, when we ran the 18 and lost thing, the first prompt I gave everyone was the terrible first draft. And the idea is, you don't, I got this from the Tim Ferriss show. You don't start trying to write the, the biggest obstacle to writing is, is trying to write the perfect thing the first time. Mm. It's impossible to think. The best way is to actually give yourself, deliberately make the first version of what you're writing. For them, it was the chapter of their story from high school. Terrible. Try to make it terrible. In other words, just surrender and let the shit come out. Because mm. what we do in cre any creative process is actually the same. You go through revisions and drafts and improvements and you don't judge the first draft yeah as a final masterpiece because the first draft is step one of getting to the masterpiece mm -hmm. it is a block of marble it just looks like the shitty piece of marble first 
and you chip away and you keep honing the sculpture until you're happy with it. But there's a sculpture in there. That's everything. You start with a terrible first draft of whatever you're doing, and that's your big block of marble. And then if you're willing to chip away long enough, you'll eventually get there. The nature of life and career and all that is that you will have your life's experience and your dispositions, however they form, like you're more attracted to sales than I am, for example, I'm more attracted to writing than you are, whatever reason that has been the case, you would have already started honing the sculpture without consciously doing it. That's the nature of career and like advantages you can lean into and stuff. There's some things where you've actually like sculpting's easier, this type of marble for you than it is for me. And if you also enjoy it more, then that's probably, you should just focus on that. Why do you need to go try to prove something by trying to get the biggest block of marble? And <laughs> that's a lot of heroes do. In uh, the Harry Potter books, Harry, the first time he gets on a broomstick is kind of quite natural at it. You know what I mean? And so that can be a bit of a fixed mindset, like, oh, it's only people who are really naturally good. But it's just the case that whether through genetics or experience or something else we did that actually transferred over, you are, you will have some dispositions for some things more than others. But also you can get, if you get put in the time, you can get to a decent level at anything. <laughs> you, you and running is the best fucking example. Mm, yeah. You're not a runner at high school. No. If you said, if some people have said to me, Luke Smith will be one of the, like from the year group will be one of the best long distance runners in this group of people <laughs> in 10 years time. That'd be hilarious. I would, I would spat coffee in their face. Yeah. Just, it would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. It's like, this is a parallel universe they're talking about. Yeah. And if you told me, I'd say the same thing. What do you mean? And, I hate, and you're I the one who running. did it. Yeah. <laughs> I hate running. I'm I'm not a runner. I couldn't be. I couldn't run a marathon. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And you always said the same thing about podcasting. Same thing. You're I shy can't, by I'm, nature. Yeah, I'm shy, shy by nature. I I have this distinct memory in university being like, I'll have to. It's funny. It was the opposite. It's like I'll have to do something with a computer because like I can't talk to heaps of people. <laughs> Literally, I was like, I remember in a communications class being yeah. like. Yeah, I could never work for a company and like be wow. be as you know salesy because you just you just have no idea what actually mm. how much you can change. Yeah, and also like how things change are very. I only started being more out of my shell when I got a job at JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, and, and talked yeah. to hundreds of uh, people. That was a day. me in real estate where I had so to, like, I had to talk to I used to be scared of talking to people on the phone. So yeah. you come back to myth of failure. I was scared of talking to people on the phone. Real estate forced me. You can't be in real estate and not talk to people on the phone. Yeah. And it just forced me to get comfortable with it. Yeah. Now I'm like, I don't hesitate to talk to That's anyone on the phone. That's fascinating. So you, did you have a proper astro yeah, sort of I, reaction? I t so bad. It's the funniest thing. I hated ordering takeaway. Oh, uh, yeah. I hated getting on the phone and mm. ordering takeaway. My brother Mitchell used to do it and I used to pick it up. I don't mind talking to people in the shop. It's something about the phone. Mm. I don't know what it was. No idea. But I overcame it. Yeah. Definitely terrified of talk. Yeah, I was afraid of... I guess I was afraid of my ability to sustain conversation. <laughs> That's funny that you're a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. No, I had, I had the All same thing. All I do thing. now is talk to people. All you do is talk to people. Now, All we, yeah. My on the fear, phone, long phone calls, long Zoom calls. My fear in university was like, you know, socializing, but also like I never thought I would do okay in a company dynamic i don't know what it was it yeah. was just a, 
like it's just crazy and then what's another one i was terrified when i because i worked at jb hi-fi for a while in sales got good at sales in that environment then you move to a corporate environment yeah and it's different and yeah and there i was terrified of picking up the phone yeah the thing about all this with the creating your own degree thing so one you don't have a choice you are learning by experience that is your real learning no matter what you really don't have a choice yep all right if you want to do it this way or not and so you you can get what i call caught in the middle which Mm. is you logically think i want to get better at this oh first thing i should go do a course in it (laughs) i completely understand the thinking and not many people would challenge you on it but it's normally like a caught in the middle problem because if you're going to do that you might as well actually do it just with the support of so the toastmasters example is like other people who are doing the same thing and you go through the challenge together which is what we did with the book other people who are willing to do it together it'd be too scary to do it on your own Mm. that was the idea of constant student right community people working on similar types of challenges going through it together creates more comfort in being where you're at comfort in being where you're at enables you to bring on a growth mindset that enables you to persist long enough to persevere through the doors and trials and everything or realize that there's no value in it and just stop learning it anyway because i'm actually not that interested as i thought and that's beautiful surrender you take your profit from everything you did you know i used to do acting classes and stuff like that and you know the guy great guide was just like it's a great outcome of this course if you realize you don't want to do an act be an actor yeah it was, yeah exactly. it was our way of investigating it with someone who had industry experience he was an actual actor not just a teacher mm. he showed us the films he'd been in and all that and he's like this is what it's like and it was as practical as possible some things are easier to create in course environments because the course can more better reflect the nature of the reality of the profession Mm. or the skill that's the reality so that's why acting and music and all that and running coaches and you know like a soccer coach or a personal trainer that's all right that's why those things tend to be much more airtight to get guidance in right because mm. there's they're like a very tangible domains yeah. but intellectual stuff and and generic and bigger generic things very difficult to create structured education around mm. very difficult self-awareness course is pretty difficult self-awareness course <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's funny yeah and you know and it feels like it feels practical when you're doing it that's the trick mm, that's the but the funny thing is you want to learn it why don't you just go do it oh yeah <laughs> oh no because right. i'm scared of it excuse what? one excuse two excuse three i just it's true i refuse to i refuse to personally you know because the other thing is like you can't even be sure it's just what are we trying to do you know what i mean like this is the other problem we're trying to do these things like I want to succeed, which is the other problem. I want to do it, but I want to be successful to do it. Monetize. Successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, I find the easier place is just to do things because when you're doing something because you enjoy it. Natural part, sometimes part of the enjoyment is the improvement often, right? I don't deny it, but it's not this necessity, necessity on improvement. It's just this allowance, openness to improvement. Mm. And so there's much more 
much less need for this dedicated instruction. Like skiing last week, of course you want to get a ski instructor when you start, so you can get up to the level where you can enjoy it faster. Because <laughs> why do you need to figure out skiing on your own? Right? But if you're confident figuring that on your own, or say if I started running tomorrow, right? Yeah, I could ask you and Dom for tips. But if I don't really have like this big goal in, in mind, why do I need education for it? If the value of it is just getting outside, being in nature, getting the heart rate up a bit, why do I need to... You don't. You don't. Yeah. You just got to put the shoes on. Exactly. <laughs> With the chases for people who are like a step more dedicated than that. Right? Or not. Or not. <laughs> we, cater, we cater to everybody, really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just this very interesting thing about motive with education. And the link between education and the fear of failure is massive. A desire, a desire for education will be very closely associated with a desire to avoid failure, which is the flip side of a coin of a desire to succeed. <laughs> in a monetary sense or to satisfy your ego mm. very closely associated so right you know what i mean like association not everyone who wants education in something is an egomaniac or is money not mm. everyone mm. but the more attached you are to education must be one those things it's mm. designed to be something I need to be good at something. You mm. know, like they keep talking, they talk about that. Like you got to be good at something. Why? Mm. Actually, Why? like the, uh, even the, even the networking thing yeah. is like kind of my wanting to understand more and even be good at something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it, it the ego does kick in. Yeah. And remember, we're careful about ego because ego is not all bad. No, no, no. Right? Giving ego too much power is bad. Yeah. Narcissism, but it's... Uh, there's a balance in there's somewhere a balance. in between. There's nothing wrong with wanting to learn things to improve. But yeah, the fear of failure, in short, will stop you from doing the real education. Mm. The idea that I'm not good enough. And that I need something external to make me good enough. It's an unhealthy mindset. <laughs> when even when you get to the point, you haven't really started until you actually do the started. thing <laughs> yeah yeah anyway so that's that idea and the importance of you know creating your own like learning through experience yep default to experiential learning let the theory and all that and people guiding you be very careful with course providers and great product to sell education i'll tell you great product to sell you're not normally very accountable to your success. You know, it's often an information product, so you don't have to sell goods. You know, I mean, you have to handle inventory and stuff like that. People will refer you before they've actually put their education into theory. Always sounds so compelling because it's easier to just package it up better than reality. It's like listening to this. Oh yeah, it sounds like failure. I can do it. I can deal with things that are scary. Then you go and do it. You're like, holy shit. Oh shit. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know, talking about it way easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But That's we're conscious of what this is. This is not your we've saved everyone from ever fearing failure again. <laughs> yeah. but I, I tell you what and then your own ego as a teacher 
very, very subtle. It feels like you're doing a great thing always. And often you are, you know, but by default, default, we default to like theoretical learning. It's the way society's kind of structured at the moment. I suggest people should default to experiential learning. It's much more closer aligned to reality, albeit seems scarier, but that will adjust just like Luke and podcasting. Mm. You get over that pretty quick. Just break it down into a small enough step that you're comfortable to take the open the first door. Yeah. And just be patient and enjoy as much as possible what you're doing. And the default to experience, let theoretical and all that prove itself. The burden on proof mm-hmm. is not on you can learn by experiencing it, which is the way I tend to do things because it just seems like it makes sense. Like I'm not going to research how to be a fiction writer. I'm just like this, what will be a funny story and what are good stories? You know, it's just being human half the fucking time. It's like sales. You can be an incredible salesman by just thinking like a caveman around, well, people want to be listened to. They want their problem solved. I'll just focus on that. And you could cut out. <laughs> you could cut out, yeah. All this sales literature and training and YouTube videos and all that. And then they might be useful to fine tune things. Or help you realize why well, you don't want to listen to other people. You want to figure it out a bit from yourself. Yourself in a growth mindset way. So that's, that's the value. You know what mm. I mean? The burden on proof is not on learning by experience. The burden on proof is on theoretical people and instructors and all that to show that what they're doing is actually going to give you substantial value. And the best ones don't make it sound like a solution. The best ones are like that acting guide who say, it's a great outcome of this. If you learn, you don't want to be an actor. You don't like what's involved, which was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, the glamour's worn off. I respect this craft. I'm not, I'm not, this is not the game I want to play for now. I'm so grateful to that guy. I would refer that guy. Mm. The great teachers are always instructors and not this is for everyone. Why everyone should do more writing. Why everyone should be a podcaster. Mm. You know, they are measured because they're not attached to their own craft. Tim Ferriss created his own MBA. So <laughs> everyone else can bloody do it too for smaller things. Mm. And uh, yeah, long episode, but uh, very interesting. Very interesting. I enjoyed that. Thanks, Luke.